0: Hello, guys. Did you know the market sucks? What is going on? What are these red numbers here? Can anybody explain to me what this is? What does that say? Minus three? Why? How much more of this can we take? My God, welcome, come in. Thursday, 11.07 a.m. Central Time, Community Forum Time. Thank you so much everybody for joining us. Make sure you can hear us okay in the chat. Let us know where you're from. We're just going to sit down today and talk about why things happen and and just talk about Tesla and Elon and all that good stuff with our community group. We have two returning guests, as always. We have Rodman, we have Hans, good timing buddy. That was freaking amazing. (laughs) And last, but definitely not least, a new face to the community forum group. Everyone, please welcome Noah. Welcome, my friend. How you doing, sir? Good to have you in. Um, so we'll go ahead and get started. I'm gonna turn off the music because I still haven't figured out how to do this music thing. If I want to keep it or not, I'm still experimenting with it. But we'll start off by allowing our guest to introduce himself. Because last time I did this thing, I was like, "Let's just. Who cares about who's on the panel? Let's go." And then Rodman's like, "Dude, what's your problem? Let's <laughs> let's be nice to our guests here." So Noah, go ahead and take a, a few seconds, a, cu- a couple minutes, however long you'd like to take. Introduce yourself. Um, you can probably tell by his background that he knows what he's doing, so he might have a YouTube channel he wants to plug, wink, wink. So go ahead, Noah. I'll give you the mic for for a couple minutes. Uh,
1: awesome. appreciate that. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Noah. I'm a uh, small business owner. It's called Corporate Streams. I do a lot of media. Uh, I live in the Los Angeles area and have a background in television and film, and I've worked on about 30 different TV shows over the last 10 years or so. So uh, I've been a Tesla fan. Uh, for gosh about five years now and the last two or three years uh, an investor as well and um, got plugged in with the now you know team and uh, did a live stream with them for cyber rodeo and i'm excited to connect with these guys here and talk about all the nerdy stuff around
0: tesla awesome well it's great to have you man thank you so much for coming in it's it's super exciting to have a have somebody with another cool background like all four of us look ramen's got the super simple beautiful white hans is obviously well read and he's got his faith back there which is beautiful you know it's awesome it's it's a cool thing to have so uh who wants to kick us off i mean like the thing the thing that i sort of noticed with this uh last couple of days is ever since uh um jerome powell made his comments at jackson hole we've been in this crazy downturn in, in, the, in the in the market which i guess it, it is to be expected if You know, you went out uh, a few weeks ago and said, we're going to look to adjust our policy down the road if we see some signs. And then you go to Jackson Hole and say, you know, you're like the craziest hawk in the world. Um, Does anybody have any takeaways from what has been happening? Curious to hear uh, y'all's thoughts if you have any.
2: So the secret with the red numbers, by the way, is those are buy signals.
0: Mm. (laughs) Right?
2: Yeah. (laughs) So those are when you buy. Not investment advice. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's I, like marketing conditioning too of like um, when you're, you need to be patient and when you, you know, um, have to deal with the the downturn and stuff, it's, it's just kind of like getting a workout in a mental workout, like an in industry. Sorry to cut you off. Keep going, Rodman. Uh, uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this whole, like, it's definitely tracing with the macro, with the whole market. Uh, you know, we're, are down pretty much about the same as S&P. Yeah, I th- you have a lot of people reporting, a lot of companies reporting earnings that are, you know, uh, scaling back. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've been trying to answer the same question as like how much of uh, these macro not macroeconomic issues are going to affect Tesla. So we could start with that, like really trying to figure out whether... Inflation and fighting inflation more specifically, uh, if raising rates, uh, because it's not just the US, you know, the Fed's raising rates, uh, the European Central Bank is raising rates. Uh, I think they were reporting like really high inflation in Europe, uh, like something like 9%. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But the question is, does this truly affect Tesla's fundamentals? Like, does Mm How does borrowing affect Tesla?
3: Well, and the other macro thing that we haven't really touched on yet is also the quantitative tightening that as the Fed removes liquidity from the market, you know, what kind of an impact does that have? And I know Ken has talked about that, that in 2018, when we had a good economy, the Fed instituted some quantitative tightening and it crashed the market then. And so if they haven't really even gotten started that, you know, everyone's kind of focused on just interest rates. But, you know, if they start saying, okay, let's suck, you know, a trillion dollars out of the market that we injected in over the past couple of years... You know, what kind of an impact does that have? And so, yeah, trying to to weigh that. And then, but also, like you said, coming back to the fundamentals of Tesla, we're about to start seeing some real um, earnings growth and strength in Q3, especially in Q4. Um, It seems like 4680 is starting to kind of pick up. uh, If you guys saw the pictures of the 4680 packs down in Giga, Texas. And so, yeah, like there's a lot of, you know there's a lot of good stuff coming up soon for tesla a lot of catalysts and so you know maybe it's the one thing that you know if you look out over the next year can weather if we do continue to go through a downturn in macro um that it can weather better than other other stocks
0: and i just real quickly pulled up <clears throat> excuse me real quickly pulled up the what you were mentioning about the 4680 packs being uh sort of found in Giga Texas. This is the right, this is what you're referencing here, right, Hans? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Um, Noah, do you have any thoughts?
1: Well, it's interesting to me is like pre-COVID, I completely ignored any sort of economic, you know, macro economic trends and anything like that. I was just focused on what I was doing. Uh, I feel like there's been an awakening and I'm sure a lot of your fans are in the same boat as I am In the thought of like something I never paid attention to. I didn't watch any sort of news outlets or I didn't have any sort of stock Um, you know, followings at all. And then obviously COVID hit and it kind of woke a lot of us up. And for me personally, I I had um, a little bit of savings and I was like um, doing some research. And um, when I found Tesla, I was like, all right, I got to go in on this. Obviously, there's no investment advice going on here. But um, for me, I just feel like um, now that I've invested a little bit and I have a couple other investments as well, like you're paying attention to those companies. And um, I love the information we're getting here. I'm just less sponge and absorbing what's being talked about, but um, it's kind of like an interesting push or pull uh, at a bigger scale, right? And when you're thinking about this economic um, thing that's happening with the government, how they're trying to influence what's happening and, you know, keep it stable, but obviously it's not always going uh, 100% well with that. It's just super interesting. Um, For me too, uh, the last year really has been like another base, at least that's what it seems like to me, right? With Tesla stock um, kind of strengthening out right and kind of like what we had prior to covid and then um, hopefully that base creates that run up that we'll see we'll see when that hits yeah
0: yeah i think i think what's interesting to to look at so if we can pull up the chart and again guys this none of this is investment advice this is just random people on the internet talking about things that they probably don't know enough about and we're just going to sit down and speculate about stuff okay so please do not make any sort of decisions based on what you're saying well what we're saying make decisions based on what you're saying. <laughs> uh, so I pulled up, the, so here's a chart for Tesla. So if we look at the last uh, year or so, this is the last, so I have it on the yearly with candles here. So Noah, so what you're talking about here, if I just pull up, uh, so if we'll go back to say, call it August of last year, uh, 2021. So we're sort of at this level here about a year ago, and it's sort of been retracing back to those levels. So if you go back to about a, a year ago, we're approaching the levels we were last year, um, which is actually interesting to think about that even in this sort of market environment we've been in lately, um, you're still year over year uh, at these levels, at least that we're at today, you're still above where you were last year but you're down quite a bit from the peak but you're still above last year's levels right if if you go back far enough i guess so that's sort of interesting to put in perspective i think a lot of times what happens is a lot of us like you know i I always try to get over the psychology of okay so we're down um 30 40 percent from peaks but not only even just a year ago we were still at levels that were around where we are today And I don't think a lot of companies can say that where they, if they compare last year's performance versus this year's performance, a lot of people are just overall down. A lot of companies are overall down from where they were last year. Whereas Tesla really had this peak late last year and has been coming down since. So, and I don't, that's just a psychology thing for me. It's like, even with this market downtrend, it appears that Tesla, even historically, if you go against last year's uh, stock performance, it's holding up much better than you would think, especially if you compare it to any other high tech stock, like, or high growth stock, lemonade, you know, throw out, throw out all these other ones that are considered really high growth and long-term potential. They've been freaking crushed, right? So, and when you put Tesla within the context of those companies, it's much more performing like a value stock, like a value company that's holding levels but it has the growth potential as well, and it's sort of this weird uh, combination of both. It's both; it can be viewed as a value stock, and it can also be viewed as a uh, long-term growth stock. And I don't, I don't know what other companies fit that sort of um, billing. I don't know. It's I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that, but it's just interesting to view it through that lens, at least for me.
1: Yeah, it's super unique, and Tesla has something that a lot of other companies don't, and that's. You know the community behind it. Um, Elon mentioned it, and I forget the exact number. I feel, uh, if I remember correctly, it's like 15% of the stock is held by retail investors. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, mm. I feel like that's a pretty significant number considering the you know the market cap. But the psychology of it is super interesting too. I I feel like there's been a journey at least in my life of when when I first got into you know adulthood, I was looking for a job, and then that turned into looking for a career right? And then that, that turned into me trying to have my money make money for me, right? Investing. Um, and I think that happens the same way with um, how people schedule and view their lives. Like they're stuck in such short-term thinking, whether that's hourly or a, a day or a week or a month, like most people don't plan past that. And so when it comes to stock, stocks and investing, I feel like that's just human nature is we, that we have to combat a little bit is like, we're so short term thinking. Right. And even a year out, it looks kind of scary, but you know, m- most Tesla investors that at least I've talked to are on yearly horizons, um, or five-year or 10-year horizons, which mm-hmm. is super interesting. A lot of thanks
0: from Richard that for all the investment advice we're getting. So you're welcome, <laughs> Richard. He's obviously joking. Go yeah. ahead.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, on one of your points, uh It is something like all the retail investors, the ownership there totals about to the same amount that Elon owns. So like between Elon and all the retail investors, that's around 15% each, which is like 30% of the Mm -hmm. ownership of Tesla. Something like that. Um, But.
3: But yeah, that is also a long term catalyst, too. That, you know, once we do get the credit rating with the institutional ownership, I think this was something that Alexandra shared out the other day that it's reminiscent of in 2014 when Apple was under owned relative to the other mega cap and tech companies. Um, and then from 2014 onward, we saw quite a run with Apple stock that Wall Street just didn't believe that Apple was going to be able to continue to grow, and so its institutional ownership was low, and then the same is kind of true of Tesla today. So that's another great catalyst. Um but yeah, like we don't see any good catalysts in the macro environment right now. Like there's almost nothing that I could point to and think of and be like, okay, yeah, if we see this, then this is the signal that the bear market for macro is coming to a close. Um, cause I mean, short of the fed just saying, okay, we're going to go back to printing money, which I don't know that that would be, uh, I don't know how the market would react to that, but it definitely wouldn't be a good long-term move. And you don't, you definitely don't think that that's going to happen.
2: So. Yeah. I think also How we're like, f- Oh, go ahead. We're, we're no, coming off go. of several uh, headwinds. Like there's just so many headwinds right now. Um, like just this past quarter, you know, with, with uh, Shanghai being depressed, uh, mm-hmm. the, the production being depressed, there's, there's the, you know, there's the macro uh, there's, you know, still a lot of doubt about whether FSD is going to hit this year. I mean, we just don't know, but he's been trying to get that. Um, And, you know, yeah, w- you know, we're coming off of COVID. We're coming into a worry about uh, a recession. Uh, there's demand worries. So I feel like there's just a lot of things that are kind of holding back. But I think after Q3, which is, no, we're a month away from finishing Q3. We'll actually see how much, uh, what Tesla can do when it's like nearly full. Uh, so what is this?
0: <laughs> Sorry. So you, you were talking but, about the, the lockdowns and stuff. So yeah. something was shared this morning from CNBC. So China still locking down. And this was like, mm-hmm. I knew they had lockdowns in, in Q2 for for uh, the province where Tesla was operating, but they're still locking down people as uh, still to this day. So uh, in yeah. this city, uh, which I, I don't want to pronounce because I don't want to embarrass myself, locks down uh, 21 million people as Chinese cities battle COVID-19. So there's still very much a, a a huge effort. You know, China has talked about zero COVID, but like they're actually exercising zero COVID. And, I'm curious. And somebody made a made a comment in the comments as well, in the comments section, where, you know, if China keeps is still locking down, how much how much of an influence does this have to macro really? And um and that's something I think about too, because it's you know, I'm like, okay, there's gotta be <laughs> at some point fatigue has to set in. And I'm I'm hoping I'm thinking, and people are just it's gonna say, okay, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look for different ways to make money on my money, and I'm not gonna be as dependent on the market to try and drive how I how I use my money. And I'm gonna to try to stimulate, or really just try to invest in things outside of the economy, which will help stimulate the economy further. And I don't know how long of a process that is. Like, I'm just curious. You know, we've been in this sort of. Uh, mar- weird market since almost a year ago. One could argue, like for the last year, almost we've had just this bear market that has taken over. Um, I'm wondering just how long this is going to take. I'm wondering if this is a one year thing or a three year thing. You know, Elon came out and said this is mm-hmm. probably going to be a mild recession, but like it, I don't know if it feels that way. <laughs> it feels like there's so many like cogs and and things being thrown at us that keeps like pushing this out. You got the Fed, you got China, you got Ukraine, you got Taiwan. You got uh, China-US tensions. It's just a cluster a little bit. And that seems like it's going to take a while to resolve. I don't know.
3: Yeah. It feels like you know we're finally having to take the medicine that we took a break there for a couple of years as far as the market itself was concerned um, from dealing with the realities of the situation that we found ourselves in as a world. And then now we're having to go back and be like, yeah, we got to face reality. We can't just pretend like everything's okay
2: i don't know if it was pretending i i really like there were clear economic signs that what the response to covid was working right i mean basically like they just lit a match under (laughs) the economy right by like you know like zero percent interest rates uh putting money into the economy and basically pushing it as hard as it can go and the money in mm-hmm. the market reacted exactly how he would expect it to like it went on fire right and now i feel like mm-hmm. um i mean we're just there the fed is responding to that and maybe maybe they put too much fire <laughs> i mean they absolutely did um
1: it, yeah there's a global it, perspective there too of like i guess i was not fully aware but it makes total sense that the you know, the world trade is such a big thing, right? We're so mm-hmm. codependent on each other um, and stuff like the war in Ukraine or um, shutdowns in China, like that affects everybody worldwide, right? Um, whether it takes six months for that to really hit us or what have you. But um, mm-hmm. and now with the last two years, like Farzad outlined of, of really chaos, I guess you can call it. Um, it's a different market, a different world. And another thing that I wasn't uh, uh, privy to or paying attention to, Um, Until recently, and um, I guess I don't know if that's a maturity thing or really because the times are so serious, but um, it's interesting, you know, how everything is affected by everything. Um, And Mm -hmm. I I feel like there's been a local uh, push to local manufacturing, like, um, we're, you know, jobs better for worse Mm -hmm. are are coming back, manufacturing is coming back to either the States or North, North, North America or what have you. So we'll see.
0: Breakfast Pizza has a very great... By the way, great name. Everyone loves Breakfast Pizza. I hope. I love it. Uh, Main C-Major controls... Yes, that's the best kind. Uh, Mainstream media controls the narrative too. It can flip quickly and likely is coordinated with the Federal Reserve's efforts to tamper inflation. One could argue that point, but then the second point is also very good. Uh, Always bearish, bullish elements, but need to be mindful about what the spotlight is highlighting currently. And I think that's a fascinating Mm -hmm. point that's made there, right? Because the world is a gigantic place and there's so much stuff that's happening at any given time that there's always... There, you can always make a story out of something. If you want something mm-hmm. that's super doom and gloom, you can find something and post it. If you want something that's super beautiful and and, and, and amazing for humanity, you can find it and post it, right? Uh, but there's always this, like, inclination towards, like, shit going bad that that the spotlight mm-hmm. keeps put on, put on. And it's almost, like, seems like the aggregate amount of bad stuff that's happening in the world is becoming enough for... Um, the media and all these other forces to drive the narrative a certain way, and I almost like imagine, like if I were, if we were to delete media and we were to delete anything that would um, speak about the trends that are happening in the world, would the market behave the same exact way it is right now, or would there be just this uh, gigantic delay in response and then everything crashes or it's completely fine? So I wonder about that too sometimes, and I don't want to derail the conversation, mm-hmm. but I just I just found that to be a, a fascinating point, and I wanted to highlight it.
1: Yeah, we can totally go into the media conversation, um, and that's a little bit of my background. But since we it's have it's- a media
0: expert, <laughs>
1: I don't know if I'd go that far. But uh, for me, if you look at really films um, and TV shows or whatever, like at the at the end of the day. Um, there's a storyline there, right? And, and some of it is influenced, right? Some of it is sort of propaganda or um, really there's, you know, the liberal or conservative influence of, of a programming and show too. And if you're spiritual or religious at all, you can also see trends that happen, right? with Within storylines and, and story plots. So um, at the end of the day, um, to me, no matter what you're watching or consuming, there is something there, a sub subtle underlining message that influences the way you think or act or what have you. And so if you look at the history of media, um, governments have used media as a tool, AKA propaganda, um, since the beginning of its inception, right? And so whether it's even newspapers or um, writings, plays, TV shows and films, right? All, all those things playing today. What's interesting is there's a power shift happening, right? Just like with the car um, world and, and that power shifts happening there towards electric cars and like um, more sustainable um, uh, cars and build outs, right? Um, the same thing is kind of happening in media and it's shifting away from the traditional mm-hmm. ABC, NBC, CBS, you know, um, top media programs that used to control the mm-hmm. narrative and everything, right? And and now we have more attention and more eyeballs on YouTube channels and um, other forms of alternative media. So um, during that shift, that power shift, we, we are seeing side effects of that and, and seeing, mm-hmm. you know, people pointing fingers at one another and saying this media source is bad or this media source is bad. And um, as we all probably know, like the underlining mm-hmm. thing for all of this is advertisement revenue and who's paying the bills, right? So you got to get to the, that source to really figure that out. But I could probably churn um, on about this all day. So it's it's interesting stuff.
3: So in short, it's all Farzad's fault for syncing mainstream media.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> Everyone, it's YouTube's fault. It's actually Google's fault. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the reason I named my, my personal channel Hacking Hollywood because um, I kind of saw I was stealing so to speak, from the Hollywood system, learning from that and then applying it to smaller budget productions. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I think that same thing can be, can happen. Um, basically you you look at the system, you iterate on it and make it better. Right. And obviously Elon's a hundred X what I was doing, but it's interesting for sure.
3: Yeah. And there's so much power too on the YouTube platform, especially, you know, it's not even the growth is not stopping it's continuing to grow the way that it's always been. And so, yeah, the watch time, the audience just continues to get bigger and bigger. Um, And so the potential for what people on YouTube can do is at this point, we don't know what the upper bound is.
1: Yeah. And here, here's a fun subject that we might want to go into is what about Twitter Um, as far as media? Like if they launched um, like say the deal goes through, right? Elon and the team now, um, you know, can, shapes what twitter looks like Azad, would you look at jumping ship and and having um, a twitter space probably content yeah yeah i'm curious how that would yeah how how that would change you know
3: would you do both or would you just solely go to twitter
0: yeah i would do both i would do both to start at least because (laughs) you know if if i really want to focus on you know i sometimes talk about like the longer term vision of this of the channel which i'm still sort of ruminating and, and walking through but i really uh, I want to, obviously my focus is Tesla, Elon and everything, but I really, my end goal is to create discussions around important topics that are going to influence the future. Right. So in, in my mind, um, so jumping ship to Twitter at first, I would outline as I'm going to be on, on platforms that make sense for my channel to exist on. And I think if Elon were to purchase a Twitter, I think, um, where my mind goes to is Elon, and we talked about this before, but it's worth reiterating. Elon is a master at execution, and so it it probably is a logical conclusion to reach that Twitter is going to become one of the best, if not the best, say call it social media platform on planet Earth. And he's talked about creating uh, Twitter into sort of like a American version of WeChat. You know, he's used WeChat as a as an mm-hmm. analogy to what. Twitter's end goal could be. So this is not just going to be tweets, it's going to be video, it's going to be audio, it's going to be payments, it's going to be a bunch of other stuff. But the video thing is what's interesting. And the community aspect of Twitter, you know, they have spaces right now. So like, I'm envisioning them creating uh, spaces with video, which is just basically YouTube, but with enhanced community um, um, sort of capabilities. Uh, mm-hmm. I think if if Twitter were get, were to get to a point where they Like they don't have a bot problem because right now like YouTube, the comments are, if I have a video that does well, half the comments are bots on YouTube and it's so fucking annoying. Like I, I almost stopped reading comments because I have to sift through all this garbage all the time. I'm like, fuck, and that's I don't want to do that. So I still force <laughs> myself to read them because I want to see what, you know, I'm, I'm always uh, wondering what people are thinking about this stuff, and that's what I used to get feedback. But if Twitter solves that bot problem, I foresee a lot of YouTube creators jumping ship to Twitter because YouTube really hasn't had a lot of competition, if you really think about it. That's mm-hmm. where the audience is right now. But if Twitter it, becomes the facto greatest social media platform in the, on the planet, if Elon takes it over, then you have a huge forcing function on YouTube and really on on media in general. Like if you thought YouTube was taking people away from mainstream media now, if you have Twitter that is like super, super, super good Mm -hmm. and better than YouTube at what YouTube does, plus everything else, what do you think is going to happen then? (laughs) It's going to get even uglier for mainstream media. So that's how I think about it.
1: It's interesting in the creator community, um, the influencers that I know and work with have that kind of um, declining opinion of about YouTube and, and the setup and what's going on. I mean, they, they're still uh, grateful to be on the platform and stuff, but um, if 100%. a better alternative popped up, you know, I could, I could see a lot of creators making the shift as well.
3: I mean, just simply giving creators better ability to appeal and have some sort of due process when their livelihood gets just arbitrarily taken away, like that one simple change would have a massive competitive effect on the entire social media landscape.
2: Elon's also sort of a celebrity and he's like really connected with like other celebrities who are artists creator artists right and Mm -hmm. so i I thought it was really telling that like when he first talked about twitter he mentioned that like all these like musicians are basically they don't do anything with their twitter right they're on instagram maybe or they're on other platforms um where they can like push their music which is what they want to do and twitter doesn't Mm -hmm. do anything about that right they don't care they're they're not working to try to appeal to those people. So like if you kind of combined like SoundCloud features with like Twitter like, or purchasing or listening to music through Twitter or whatever this app would be, like I could totally see like people flocking back to it, right? Make this like a place that people actually wanna be and not just sort of the thought right now where it's just a cesspool of people like throwing slinging mud at each other, but like, you know, like it, it could spread to so many industries beyond just music. Like you could do mm-hmm. art and like people who are like, like Etsy people, like pushing, like if you could integrate some of these like sales stuff, I, well, I don't, I don't know what it, all this stuff could be, but like mm-hmm. the thing for me is like, if you took Elon's ability to innovate quickly, his pace of innovation and applied that to some new platform, like that seems really powerful to me, and whether it's Twitter mm-hmm. or something new, I think it's going to happen. It's just, um, just all the Twitter drama is just slowing it down instead of pushing it faster. But maybe, you know, knowing Elon, he's probably has something going in the background already. Do you still on. think he bought? He
0: buys it. I'm curious to get y'all's opinion. Yeah. Do you think it still gets done?
2: I don't. I don't think. He I think so. Anyway. <laughs>
3: I'm still of the lean and it's not a high I would it's probably 50-50 either way in my mind but I'd lean yeah. slightly maybe 51-49 that maybe he does end up acquiring it in the end just because I think when this is all said and done the board's going to be so desperate to sell it to him that, like they do not want the public valuation that they're going to get if this deal does not go through so yeah.
1: I I think for me Elon wants the deal to happen but his Uh, goals have changed. And what I mean by that is when um, he found out there's a bot issue, it's no longer about the sale. First, it's about the facts, right? And having Twitter admit uh, or show their work, right? Whether that's proving 5% or lack thereof. Um, And so honestly, like, yes, the Twitter deal, Elon wants that to happen, but I feel like at least his actions and what I've seen, his current goal is to get to the bottom of that, right? Whether that's through the court or through, Mm -hmm. you know, arbitration, whatever the term is, once that's settled, then um, the the purchase can be reconsidered. Um, And at least from my opinion, what I've seen, like the original deal is not in um, Elon's favor anymore with with new facts, right? So um, Mm -hmm. I think he has, and I hope he has the opportunity to make another uh, attempt at a different price point.
2: I think going back just at a high level, it's important to understand that there's different scenarios that could happen and then assign probabilities to each one. Right. So mm-hmm. but you're not so, yeah, it's, it's not zero or one. It could be uh, all these different possibilities. My
3: sense of the situation is that the way that the financing was structured for the $54 offer, um, he needed there to be a lot more immediate user. Like he needed the bot problem, not to be a, a major size of the, the population that uses Twitter um, because that was going to hinder people from being willing to participate in the deal. And then he was not going to have the capital that he needed to get it done. Um, and so then if, if we can get to the bottom of all that, and now they can settle on a price that's like $40 a share instead of $54 a share, there's probably a lot of those people that he needed before that he doesn't need anymore and he can go ahead and close it and then clean house, um, and just start from scratch. Cause I still think that he wants and needs the network effects that Twitter has. Um, and there's no, you know, I don't know what other social media property he could purchase that has the network effects that Twitter has regardless of the internal, you know, product quality and culture problems.
1: Yeah, it just fits into his grander visions, Sorry, Rodman? Um, it fits into his grander vision with X.com, and like, um, obviously, Elon's playing like 40 chess, <laughs> you know, compared to what everybody else is doing. So he's kind of alluded to a few things. Obviously, we're waiting for Master Plan Part Three to come out, but um, it makes business sense, right? Because if you're advertising to that group, or really if you're if you're creating a subscription-based model um, out of Twitter, right, you need to know how many people you can capture right secondly it, it makes sense from a people perspective like far farzad said earlier he can't stand the bots that are in youtube same thing on twitter there's there's probably a ran set, sack of that and then finally like I mentioned earlier I think for Elon the third and final thing is like truth like he wants the truth to come out like that's just who he is.
2: Yeah I was just gonna say I recruit. think it gets done. Yeah. You think so? Go ahead Robin. yeah I, I I was just gonna go off of Han's point. Yeah when you it could have been that he saw this and he wanted it uh, or he wanted to buy it for all the reasons you guys are explaining. But then once you find out that the bots are, you know, much higher than what, what they had initially stated, uh what's what are you paying for, right? Like are those network effects how much of those network effects are just uh bots uh and if you're paying for that it doesn't make sense right so like well, the one why thing you, you can't
3: yeah. argue with though is the real world impact of twitter like everyone talks yeah. about it and the like the ways that it influences politics and power um bots aside like those are powerful impacts and um so, yeah, and I think the other deal is just getting to a quantum, like he wants to know what the bot problem is. So he knows what he's working with. Right. Um, but then, yeah, if you know exactly what you're working with on that front, then you know exactly what it is that you need to fix and what the potential impact of fixing that problem is. And so, you know, it, it tells you exactly why Twitter has been so ineffective as an advertising platform and what. Elon needs to do to fix that fact so that it can immediately turn the corner on monetization.
1: What's interesting from like, sorry, we're going to talk about the same time every time. Um, From a you're new, you're allowed, Noah. It's okay. (laughs) From a branding and um, (laughs) from a branding and marketing perspective, um, relating this to movies, right? So why are there so many sequels? To movies it's be, really because of brand recognition right the mission impossible series everybody knows what that movie's going to be it's a high action tom cruise movie right so everybody knows what they're expecting and, and what they're getting um and the, and same you can look at superhero movies or whatever you want to fill in the blank here um that branding power saves your marketing budget which can be 70 um or less like you're saving 70 percent on your marketing budget by having uh a brand everybody knows. Uh, I think Elon kind of knows a little bit about that in the sense of everybody knows Twitter already, right? <laughs> um, there are, even even though we're not sure the true number, there are millions of people on Twitter. He also has a huge fan base. Like he, he's what top three or something for for Twitter at this point. Um, and maybe there's some server or infrastructure part of it too that that we're not sure about as well. That you know all, all reasons he might want Twitter as well.
2: So I'll just keep arguing the and the, the, he doesn't want it side because no one else is doing it. But, uh, if he's paying for like the network effects and it's Elon, right. So already he has some degree of clout. And if he can build the features like that, I was, that we've all been talking about the WeChat features, the, like all these features that are going to bring people, bring interest to the platform, like, is that I mean, in his mind, if he's building that already, right? It's like, okay, I can build these features. I can think from first principles. I know I need to get people on this platform. There needs to be a need to to be here, right? And if he can figure out those needs, then what's he really paying for, right? If he can figure out the things that are gonna draw people there, then the network effects come, right? So, when, when so the thought,
0: interesting thing about that comment Sorry, just let me get, uh, Go let me for get it, this you know, one out. So the 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 one thing that um, is interesting is that Elon himself came out and said that buying Twitter will will speed up his ability to have a social media platform by like three to five years, right? So like yeah. I think he's provided a timeline as to why Twitter is valuable to him. So then yeah. the question becomes: Is fifty four dollars a share worth three to five years? Yeah. Right. So there's no question that there's no question that he could do it himself. It's just he's all about speed on getting to that endpoint, And if I could real quick. So I think the reason why it, so I'm in 99% confidence it gets done. I think this is a done deal. Like it gets done regardless. And I think there's two reasons why. One is because of what I just outlined is that Elon himself has come out and publicly said that this would help him move much faster than he needs to. And then second is if Twitter, if the deal falls through, unless Twitter goes out of their way to ensure they have a price set up for him to buy the company what this implies is that in three to five years time twitter no longer exists because elon has created the competitor to twitter and all their users are gone and the company's dead so i think i think twitter understands this you know not i'm not going to shit on the twitter employees i'm sure there's amazing talent there but i think this saga has shown and it's been sort of public that it's kind of a shit show in there. (laughs) It's kind of a shit show. Shit shows don't last very long, especially when you have someone like an Elon, you know, like him or not, he is an excellent, ex. uh, he's very good at executing. And I think Twitter would be very unwise to even sell the company for half the price because in three to five years time, there is a serious risk that it's going to be zero. And I just don't think that the board is that... uh, lacks that kind of vision as as you know as little interest as they have in the company right i still think there's too many forcing functions to ensure this deal gets done at in some sort of way in the next say three to six months so that that's how i think about it and i i cut you off no so go ahead no worries. Yeah. Actually, before you um, even do that, I'm gonna cut you off again. Sorry about yeah, that. Go for let it. me let me real quick. Let me give a shout out to V. Thank you so much for the five dollar super chat. Um, for all high margin Tesla has, why can't they fix the suspension on three and Y? I mean 2019 Camry has better suspension. Love your work. I disagree with that statement. I think three and Y have very good suspension and uh, I was just on a road trip uh, with my Performance Model Y for 3,000 miles, and it was the most comfortable car I've ever ridden in. But thank you for your uh, – I think suspension is kind of like subjective uh, in a way too, but that's my it's, opinion. Um, it's
2: a sport suspension. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Tough. It's yeah. Yeah. fast.
3: And Camry is not a sports suspension. So if you like a squishy Camry ride, then yeah, it's probably not going to be your yeah. thing.
0: Exactly. Uh, go ahead, Noah.
1: I was just going to mention if you look at the pattern of behavior for Elon around SpaceX and Tesla, right? So SpaceX, um, in the beginning, he went to Russia and tried to buy an existing rocket to retrofit it to make it work, right? For Tesla, he did approach automakers and even Apple at one point to to basically get partnerships going, right? And so um, I think Elon sees each one of those steps as a shortcutting opportunity. Like Farzad said, he's also said that publicly. He thinks it'll save three to five years. But I also love that Rodman has that counter argument and the thought of like, could Elon do this? You know, from the ground up, he probably could, and um, we don't know fully mm-hmm. until you know hindsight of whether it would save him time or not. But uh, you know, based off of his analysis and probably some of our analysis too, it sounds like it could and would save time, um, especially if there's already an audience there and infrastructure there.
3: Well, and to yeah, kind of side with Rodman for a second, it could be that the. Time frame that he thinks that it could save him is drastically reduced now. If the bot problem is much worse than previously anticipated, he's like, "Oh, maybe now it's only going to save me one to two years." And if that's the case, then like, is it really worth paying money for only a couple years worth of acceleration? So you
1: need a you need a transition graphic that says friendly argument. Mm-hmm. And then, you, know, <laughs> you get into it. And splits the screen? And but <laughs> I, I do think idea. we're like on the right.
2: <laughs> Path of analyzing it the way Elon would analyze it. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's thinking of it like exactly like it's got to be like I'm. What am I buying? I'm buying acceleration of time. Yep. Um, and the question really is like you can't quantify that exactly, but you could probably get a a real a real good guess. Um, and you know he may he may he may have already started. And he's like, well, maybe this is like maybe I can do better, right? Uh, Maybe like what he's already seen is like, maybe this will work, right? And I don't need Twitter, but it's hard to know without like being in the Elon labs. So
0: I want to read this uh, comment from Richard real quick. And maybe Richard, if you can help us understand this point here a little bit better, you're ignoring the complications of the whistleblower allegations regarding privacy and security and bots. And then earlier on, he said, I do not believe Elon can voluntarily buy Twitter because of the whistleblower. Um, so maybe Richard drop a comment as to why you think that is. And I don't know if any of y'all, um, agree with that statement or not. I'm curious to see what, what kind of context there is to it.
1: That's super interesting. I mean, the whistleblower obviously adds complication to the case, right? The, The security, um, person from Twitter who resigned came out and said, and correct my summary if I'm wrong, but basically that, um, the data wasn't handled well within Twitter. Um, and so he came out publicly, which a lot of people saw and I see as a favorable thing towards Elon and, you know, the argument of that, mm-hmm. the, the bot number and the, the data behind Twitter is not well managed essentially. So, um, yeah, thanks for bringing up that article. Maybe someone else can speak to something I yeah, missed.
3: My sense of that from the all in podcast, you know, their discussion of the, the whistleblower allegations was basically that, um, Probably Parag is the one who is in the hot seat if these allegations prove to be true, that uh, you know the board is not necessarily responsible since they were not given the information that the security officer wanted to present to them. And so that would be his executive leadership that would be responsible for hiding that from them. And uh, yeah, probably Parag and some other CEOs, or I mean, some other of the C-suite would be the ones that that really impacts. Um, so I'm not sure why that would hold up the deal because basically all those people are going to get fired if Twitter closes anyways. Um, but yeah, that, it definitely does shed light on hey, there's problems inside with regards to security that Elon would definitely have to fix right away. But I don't see that as something he couldn't do. So I guess I'm I'm a little bit unsure of exactly what Richard's point is.
1: Maybe
0: yeah. that the and read real quick sorry for those that are uh maybe just listening i'm just going to read this ex- excerpt real quick uh among the most serious ac- uh, accusations in the complaint a copy of which oh sorry let me give some context this is from the washington post talking about the whistleblower complaint about twitter um that happened a few days ago and uh, richard in the comments said this this is likely going to be um a, a a obstacle for elon to actually be able to buy the company because of how egregious it is Uh, Among the most serious accusations in the complaint, a copy of which was obtained by the Washington Post, is that Twitter violated the terms of an 11-year-old settlement with the Federal Trade Commission uh, by falsely claiming that it had a a solid security plan. Uh, Zatko's complaint alleges he had warned colleagues that half the company's servers were running out of date and vulnerable software and that... um, And that executives withheld dire facts about the number of breaches and lack of protection for user data, instead presenting directors with rosy charts measuring unimportant changes. The complaint filed last month with the Securities and Exchange Commissions and the Department of Justice, as well as the FTC, says thousands of employees still had wide-ranging and poorly tracked internal access to core company software, a situation that for years had led to embarrassing hacks, including the commandeering of accounts held by such high-profile users as Elon Musk and former presidents Barack Obama and Donald Trump. Um, Just to real quick get everybody up to speed there. So um, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No.
1: No, no, it's all good. Um, Maybe because there's a whistleblower and it adds complication um, to this, You know, with regulations and FCC and this and that, um, maybe because of that, this means that it cannot be purchased like until that is resolved essentially. And there's another comment here. Whistleblower has asserted misconduct by Twitter, Elon would be acquiring those issues and concealment concealment. Allegations were material and concealed.
2: Okay. Okay, so I have a theory. Okay. And it's a theory. So how close do you think Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk are? Very. Like, yeah, they're like best friends, right? Like they've known each other for a long ass time. I mean, it this whole thing has felt like it's Jack wanting to get back in, he can't get back on, he can't become CEO again or something. He wants, he does it like where it's been. He's he even said recently, um, there was a quote that he was like, I wish Twitter never became a company and instead was a platform, right? And that, that totally aligns with like having Elon buy it. And, you know, he might've been like, hey, Elon, this company, it's not doing so well, and Elon's like, "Oh well, what can we do about it?" Well, you could buy it, <laughs> and then it's like, "Okay, I'll buy it." Um, so, like, and then everything else that's been coming out of, you know, these things are just ammunition to help get the company back at the best price. And if if this is if this is true, if if this is sort of a plan that is Jack on Elon's shoulder. Um, I do believe that it will, like it will happen. But uh, the question is like getting it for the best price uh, or as little price as possible and tearing down the company and rebuilding it back might be a good way of doing that to, to get it at a good price and then
1: kind of start it all over. Maybe um, maybe Elon has a way of bringing all the brilliant misfits together, you know, yeah. between <laughs> Jack Dorsey and um, Herbert Deese or what have you.
2: I mean I w- like when this originally happened I thought like it would be Elon buying it and then Jack being reinstated as like as the techno king of t- Twitter but who knows
0: Uh real quick uh Gary support of the channel thank you very much uh Mudge is a legend in the size sec cybersecurity industry with unparalleled and undisputed cred so this is the whistleblower that came forward yeah. just to give a little bit more context there Um What I find interesting about Jack Dorsey... Do you guys know why Twitter was created in the first place? Have you guys heard this story at all? Um, I was told this by somebody who... So, you know, there's a book out there about how Twitter was created or whatever. It was created so that Jack Dorsey could could find the best parties in (laughs) Silicon Valley. That's why he created Twitter. So that when people are like, oh my God, this party is awesome. They can just go to that party. That's why Twitter was created in the first place. Just like how Facebook allegedly was created for you know, Zuck to find a girlfriend (laughs) in a way, (laughs) you know, to find what kind of girls. It's just so interesting how these like very innocent, uh, almost like very human reasons why you would create something to like benefit yourself in some way, but like doing so, you know, like, well, you know, we're going to turn this into something bigger. Now this is, you know, 20 years later, however long Twitter has been around 10 years later, it's like at the forefront on one of the most, um, uh, you know, one of the most talked about topics in the world. Just it, I just found it find it fascinating. The Jack Dorsey angle is interesting. It's re- like there is no way Elon and Jack and Jack don't talk. There's yeah. no way. There's no yeah. way they're sitting down and having a discussion. Like, hey Jack, so what's going on in Twitter? Oh, Elon, dude, this fucking thing had to deal with this bullshit and this thing's going on, and we have all these weaknesses here. And dude, like I'm having such a big time and they want me to leave. And I'm like, fuck you, I'm not gonna leave. Like it's uh, It's going to have very human conversations, just like, you know, you with your friends behind the scenes are going to be talking shit about something. How could they not? These are very eccentric people. Like, that's probably all they talk about.
3: (laughs) Well, and part of me wonders if he kind of looks at Twitter as an opportunity for him to fix the way that he got screwed at PayPal. Like, it's kind of a similar situation that Jack didn't was not the fully in control founder, CEO. He got pushed out he got pushed out. He didn't have ownership. He had the board and all this problems. And so, you know, sometimes I wonder if Elon looks at it as like, yeah, that was exactly the type of situation that I had to deal with at x.com and PayPal. And, um, this is an opportunity for me to kind of retroactively go back in history and save me from that situation.
1: Yeah. And Elon had a history of being bullied and, you know, um, growing yeah. up like that so like now that he's a more established you know entrepreneur and you know his businesses are not going to go under maybe he has a different tone now he's like you know what f you i'm, I'm gonna come back at this you know
2: i think it's a great theory <laughs> it's just a theory though
1: yep and that legal team is the married to it yeah
0: yeah yeah what I'm about the legal for team
1: for that yeah, I'm excited for that legal team, though, and, and seeing how that shapes out. And I know there's oh, the yeah. Tr- Trevor Milton trial coming up soon. And it's just interesting that, like, other other little, like, side tangents that could be interesting in our community.
0: I think they settle, though. I still feel like they will settle. I don't think this ever goes to court. I think there's, in my opinion, I mean, it's going to be amazing to watch unfold. It's going to be, like, you know, freaking uh uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, but for nerds, you know, it's gonna be like <laughs> <laughs> this amazing. Like, and listen, I'm a nerd, and I was like freaking obsessed with uh, with the uh, 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 Johnny Depp Amber Heard. I like, I could not stop watching. I had a problem. It was literally a problem. Um, but I, I still don't feel like it gets to that point. Cause I, I do believe, I do believe that even with all these variables we talked about, I think there is a forcing function for the board to settle. Cause if they really go to court, it just, it just opens a lot of risk to Twitter. Like you don't want to go to court if you're, if you know your operation is a shit show, like God knows what you can uncover, you know, and the board is barely invested in the company. What is their incentive to ensure that, the, that there's a clean ship running? There isn't right. And you're it's just... I don't know, man. There's a lot of risk. And again, I don't know what I'm talking about, but it just seems like mm-hmm. going to court is very, very, very unwise. Very oh, yeah. unwise.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's completely um, in, not in the best interest of Twitter, and I think they know that, and they're going to try everything they can. But at the same time, I think Elon's fighting back you know, now, and mm-hmm. I, would, I would think, I, I could be wrong, that he's going to try his best to get to um, court because it can expose the data, right? Unless twitter publicly exposes the data about the bots i i think elon's like all right we're gonna go to the end of this like because at least from what i've researched like elon has the upper hand if they go to court you know
2: i think he has the upper hand either way but i think i think twitter wanted to go to court at least agrawal wanted to go to court oh tell me more well i mean you know i mean why would they why would they Throw out a case if they didn't want to go to court. Like that was the that was the move that they had to make, right? Was not
1: I mean, I it may not be. it's, hard it's all play. like showmanship of like um, it, it's posturing is the right term. You know, like Twitter has to posture because they have to put up that front until the you know the last moment, and they'll try their yeah. best to pull out at the last second.
3: Advanced oh. negotiating tactics.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, they either had, they only had two choices. They either like tried to work out a deal with Elon, and maybe they did, and it failed. And then they were like, okay, so we got to go to court. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's all speculation at this point, it's
1: like, but it's like going to the car dealer and then like walking away, you know? Yeah, and you exactly. go back and you walk away again. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: man. I wish I had a lawyer every time I bought a car. I'm going to sue you if you don't (laughs) sell to me at this price, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I think, I think the, the having to sue in order to ensure you're not coming across as weak is like, uh, such an interesting dynamic that happens at those levels of like, of like wealth and ownership, like you know you think about like the the four of us here and people in the chat you know like i my height of negotiation is like you said with a like a car dealer like that is my height of negotiation these guys are freaking pulling in the fcc and the ftc and freaking lawyers everywhere and there's billions at stake it's wild stuff it's wild stuff but nothing is ever what's interesting about this whole thing and so sort of some of the lessons i've learned with these like big deals nothing is ever at face value there's always these multi-layer things going on behind the scenes that are the true purpose of this happening and this top layer thing is just a thing that has to happen so that the underneath stuff can get going it's almost yeah. like a it's almost like the tip of the iceberg you know
2: yep you're exactly right it's funny because the media narrative is always about the surface level they're like oh it's yeah. elon he he just he he needs a new excuse not to, to back out of this deal, and like it's like you people are like you you are like you're but, at the surface, <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and the shortcut thinking is what it comes down to is like people yeah. want to see these patterns of like black and white, right and wrong, and like my side versus your side, and and that shortcut of behavioral pattern analysis has been unfortunately part of our, <laughs> the decline of our society. Honestly, in my opinion. Um, and, yeah, it's just people thinking, um, you know, red man bl- bad or blue man bad or, you know, this good, this bad, whatever you want to substitute variables in for. But, yeah, it's super, super interesting. When, when it comes to negotiation, um, the person who can walk away has the better hand. That's what it comes down to. I don't think Twitter can walk away from this deal without destroying their company and the backlash from their stockholders, right? They the board could probably be sued for screwing up this deal um, because they didn't do their due diligence and they they didn't have everything in order that they needed to get in order because they're trying to hide something. In my opinion,
2: yeah, that's a great point. I love your point about like the shortcut thinking. That's it is definitely people under analyzing and yeah, and like and like Farzad said, like there's always a deeper reason why a lot of this stuff goes on and nuance is not appreciated as much these days.
0: Yeah, there was a, I was listening to a, the good, uh, good stream, the the good soil li- uh, live stream on my way back on Tuesday, and they were talking about sort of the Twitter thing. And one of the uh, questions that I would have posed uh, and Pat and were talking about it was if if the deal falls through, right, and, and Elon exits, what what could Twitter's stock price Go down to. And then Emmett, uh, I think, said, like, again, not Emmett's my advice, but he said, like, 10 bucks, $10, you know, from up like 30, like it would cut by more than half. And I think, I think if, if for some reason Elon walks away and that happens, then I think it automatically, like, we'll, we'll see a deal get made within like a, like a week or two that says, okay, actually, we're going to sell it to you at this price. Because I think if that really does happen, this whole thing has blown up on Twitter's face. Like this whole thing has been a complete disaster. And I really do think that's what's going to happen. I don't know if you guys have any opinions around that, if if it's going to be a... Um, that drastic of a thing if Elon walks away, uh, if if he actually if it actually does not get done, and that impact to Twitter uh, becomes that severe that quickly, because I really think it'll be overnight. If there's loose comes out that says you know they've settled and they're terminating the deal and Elon's not buying Twitter, overnight it's going to go down by fifty percent. But I don't know.
1: Well, it's if, interesting. If go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead.
2: If, okay. If if they're game theorists, like if they're like planning out, if both sides are game theorying but the whole thing planning out all their moves like a chess match like you have they must see that and the question is like how good is the twitter side seeing all the moves and if jack is playing both sides you know he's on he's on the board he's talking to elon he's he can spell out the reasons like why certain moves would be detrimental exactly like what you're saying uh farzad is if they go if they if the deal breaks apart stock price falls like if he just spells that out to them that'll push them to making a deal earlier which would actually be less advantageous to elon
1: but yeah i guess we'll see go ahead (laughs) i just love that meme around first they didn't want me to buy twitter (laughs) yeah and you know and then it progresses to I can't even I'm gonna butcher it, but basically, you know, it Twitter's one eighty and they, they're trying to force him to buy Twitter and they don't want to give him the data and now they're forced to give him the data.
2: Yeah, that's a good meme. When Elon memes about himself. <laughs> that's pretty next level.
0: It's pretty good. Um Let's do. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Any any other topics we want to hit that you guys have been thinking about these this last week or anything uh, that we want to hit? Anybody in the comments if you have any questions or comments, do throw them out.
1: For me, I'd love to talk about Cybertruck a little bit more. I mean, I'm, that's hell yeah. What caught my real attention with Tesla, um, besides you know the Model Three ramp, but um, I am excited about the truck and um, just curious about if anybody else if if it it's their lifestyle or what they're looking at. And, you start it. You tell us why you're interested. Sure. Um, small business owner. Uh, I set up lights, camera, audio, and streaming for companies. Um, and so I pull a trailer. Uh, it gets. It's actually the best-in-class um, gas mileage. So it's 24 city, 28 highway, which is incredible for a truck. Um, and it gets half of that with um, towing a trailer. So it's like 12 to 14 miles to the gallon. Um, and so I... Did a calculation basically um, if I drove the truck for you know ten years I think it was or fifteen years something like that um, the gas alone would pay for itself and that was prior to the you know uptake and prices like doubling essentially so um, to me it was a no brainer that electric was going to be the future with that Um, so yeah checking out the Cybertruck and uh, made the you know seventy thousand dollar reservation which is probably not going to happen we'll see what tier that's going to be but. Um I've always been even since high school like um a nerd about why isn't there electric cars or electric trucks um hub motors etc like um and so for 12 years or so now I I've, I've been like listening and trying to pay attention to battery technology and I'm waiting for this breakthrough to happen and then nothing's really there you know it's all speculation and what works inside a lab doesn't translate to the real world so another big plug was like battery investment day and like seeing the amount of um, efficiency that Elon and the team are are making around the 4680, right, and how that is shaping out. Um, It's just incredible to see that. But yeah, just from a a small business owner's perspective, just the cost savings on gas alone, and then the maintenance being like, what, 10% of a traditional car, um, and then the number of miles that I currently drive, it it just all checked a bunch of boxes for me.
0: Yeah, so I have one on order. Um, I, I ordered it one day after it was revealed because the, they, the when I saw them sort of like botched the presentation, you could tell that Elon was very uh, um, upset about the glass breaking, like the whole vibe of the event. It was just a weird freaking event. Weird freaking car, weird glass thing. The mood shifted dramatically towards the end. And I, and I felt like, oh, fuck. And I was working at the company at the time too. And I was like, damn, this was an a, kind of an embarrassing show in a way. Like, fuck. So I, I'm like, man, should I place the order? I'm not really sure. Like, I was overcome with emotion. And then the next day I wake up and I pull up the picture of it. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm buying it. Like, I'm putting it in order. It's, it just <laughs> looks way too crazy. It, it's too obnoxious for me to not get it. So, um, and, and the longer it's taken, the more the more excited I've been getting about getting the car because I'm starting to see more and more use cases for the Cybertruck for my, for my sort of the way I live. So I'm not a huge outdoors person, but, uh, not that we, uh, <laughs> well, number one, we live in Texas now, literally every other car is a pickup truck. So I'm like, fuck, I want to fit in a little bit. I want to be a Texan, you know, I'm kidding, obviously, but, uh, it's just, it fits within the, the culture here. So that's been cool to see. But then Home improvement. We've never had a pickup truck, and I always look at people loading up their stuff in a pickup truck, these giant things, and I'm like struggling to get it into my Model Y. I'm like, man, that'd be so much easier if I can just walk up the ramp and freaking put this in the bed. So that's been big. Um, I think for road trips, it might be a really cool car as well. So we, my wife and I have been taking more road trips lately with our Model Y, and I think the pickup would be great because I think the 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 long. T- sorry, the, the, the battery range, the range for the car, I think the net range if it's not hauling something, it's probably gonna be in the order of four to five hundred miles. Maybe, maybe even more. Who the frick knows, you know? Because it has to account for towing a, a trailer. And I don't think I don't think Tesla is gonna have I think is really gonna to know to uh do their best to overcome uh, a, a situation where you're hauling something with a trailer and then your range get gets cut by 50 percent or whatever that number is i really think they're gonna push really hard to ensure that that impact is cut down to a level that's still realistic for somebody to to take stuff long distances right i think if i look at the f150 lightning as of late great car I mean it's getting really good reviews but i'm i've seen some folks talk about the 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 pulling a trailer it's like a hundred miles 120 miles like i, I don't know how How uh, impactful that is for a pickup truck driver. But I see people hauling stuff on the road all the time with pickup trucks. I feel like Tesla is really going to know to overcome that and they have the battery technology one would hope to try and mitigate that issue as much as humanly possible. So that's really attractive for me from a road trip perspective because I can, you know, I can take a bunch of stuff with me. We can go camp at places, you know, we can go to national parks and take a cyber truck and you have a lot of room in there. You have a bed, you can carry all kinds of stuff. So it's sort of opening up it's almost like the car is becoming a, uh, sort of like a lever or an incentive for me to utilize the, the things I get from having the car that I would have never done because that's just not my natural inclination, but having the car in order is incentivizing me to have those inclinations. So it's almost like opening up a new market for me that I never knew existed, but it's opening because I'm going to have the car. Does that make any sense? So I'm excited for it in that way. Um, Yeah, so, and they're gonna sell a lot more than people think. Like I still feel like people are dramatically underestimating just how many of these things they're gonna sell because it's gonna be such a game changing car.
1: And a truck is just such a utility vehicle. Like you can throw anything in it. You can help somebody move. You can fit six people in it if you need to, right? It's just one of those catch all utility utility vehicles. At least here in America. And by the way, I'm from San Antonio, Texas. (laughs) So yes, Texans love Mm -hmm. their trucks. Um, And somehow that, that went on to me as well when I moved to California about 10 years ago, but it's just such a uh, advanced utility vehicle. The clearance is incredible for off-roading if you're into that. And um, yeah, about the mileage thing, I'm still kind of holding my breath. I'm hoping for, you know, 500 plus miles. I'm hearing uh, at least from some other YouTubers that there's a chance they're, they're, um, you know, speculating that they're going to not go for the 500 mile range at first because of, battery right um batteries and and trying to you know you can make twice as many trucks if you do do a 250 or 300 mile range so for them it might make more sense to to go with um you know the sec the mid-tier one or what have you but it also i heard rumors about you know the quad motor and what that might be so if that's a new class of vehicle you know maybe they priced that at at 100 or 120 i don't know if they'll call that cybertruck plat or plus or something but that's all interesting too so, do you,
2: like, going back to the utility of it, is is the truck n- necessary for your job? Like, couldn't, like, a Model Y tow the same thing? Or is it? Is there something about the truck that makes yeah, it better for your application? For sure.
1: Well, yeah, let's, let's compare it to the Model Y. So first off, um, space-wise inside, right, we can fit six bodies instead of five in a in truck. Um, the Model Y can tow 3,500 pounds. So my trailer dry, I can actually bring up a picture of it. My trailer dry, which means completely empty, um, is going to be thirty-eight hundred pounds. So um, I have to like, fit some heavy-duty equipment, specifically for what I do. Right. So this is. I guarantee
2: uh, the Model Y pulls a lot more than thirty-five hundred.
1: Oh, maybe. It's, it, um,
2: it's like it's it's it can pull a lot.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those numbers
2: I'm, are way like sand under. Yeah, probably.
1: Yeah, so th- this is the kind of film equipment and stuff that I have in the back of my trailer. Um, this is a 16-foot toy hauler. Um, and so this is my old truck. It's an F-150. And so fully loaded, that thing weighs seven to 9,000 pounds. Um, and like I said, I have a, a newer Ram as, um, as well that I use for towing. So um, yeah, for my application, right, small business owner who sets up film equipment for a, a living, like um, having a truck that can tow you know, my minimum is like eight thousand pounds plus. So my current truck is ninety five hundred. I've gone through two sets of shocks on that truck, and now I put helper bags on the truck, um, and that's just to help support the weight of the trailer. Um, I've had to upgrade axles on the trailer. So there's all these like little details right. that um, I, come would, with I would. I would just look
2: ownership. at. I would look on the internet for like how much a Model Y can actually tow and what people experience with like sure like eight to ten thousand pound loads. Because yeah, I've heard. I've heard of. I've heard of people doing that so. yeah I just I know, know that, that it, it, the problems with...
1: yeah and I'm, I'm wondering what it would wear out and if the, it's uh, an infrastructure question too for the Model Y um, could it have um, the shocks upgraded or different components to help right. support the extra you know tongue weight is what it comes down to I would love to have a, a Model Y and actually the one I have on pre-order for my wife uh, I've teased her about getting a smaller trailer for smaller projects and, and, and towing with that but she's like if you get a model Y it's mine, you don't, you don't get to tow with it. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be fighting over that car. I promise. Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: I think that's the one interesting thing about Cybertruck too, is that out of the box is going to be, I mean, they, they've touted the durability of it in in the reveal with freaking hitting it with a hammer and breaking the glass. Right. So, (laughs) so I think the, and pickup trucks are just naturally much more durable, I think. And they're designed to take on the, the additional load. Whereas, um, I do think, even though the Model Y could do it, Model Y could do it. I just wondered, like, to to Noah's point, the repeated nature of those jobs. Like, yeah. am I going to end up freaking bursting my axle like one of these days driving down down 183, and then I'm going to be fucked, right? So right. that's the one thing to keep in mind. Um, so, uh, real quick, Noah, on that F150 fully loaded, what was the total range of the truck? Like, how far could you drive with it? Do you know?
1: Yeah, great question. So the F150 had worse gas mileage than my ram 1500 so the one the f-150 got seven miles a gallon on average um towing and, and like how big the, was Rams, the tank um it was about 30 gallons so just under 30 gallons because oh, wow. it, it's 26 regular and four reserve or 28 regular and two reserve tank or something like that so um i could travel about 300 miles ish maybe 250 depending on which direction and the wind and all that Um, so I, I have traveled from, I'm, I'm in Orange County, right. Or near Los Angeles. And I've gone to Sacramento. I've gone to Las Vegas. I've even gone to Texas uh, for projects with my trailer. So, um, now like post COVID with prices, the way they are, I'm, I'm like even more eager to have an electric car because, because of the prices and it, it would basically cut that expense for me, um, the last time I tracked it, it was $1,600 back in, I think, 2017 or 2018 for the Texas trip. So hopefully it would be maybe half that today with electric.
0: Got it. The, the so thing 250 I'm curi- to 300
2: Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Like me. The thing I'm curious about for Cybertruck, people who actually use the bed, the one criticism I've heard is that if you want to access the bed from the side, you know, as th- the closer you get to the bed, the, Triangle moves up and you can't put your arms over it. I- I'm wondering, like, how much of a debt deterrence that is for people um, who are actually better? using yeah. the bed.
0: Yeah. Yep. Hans, I think you may have unmuted by accident, or are you? Hello? Are you still there? Okay. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> yeah, as Go far ahead. as reaching
1: oh, no. in. Yeah, as far as reaching into the bed, I think it's a stylistic thing and, and depending on what you're loading and taking in. Um, to be honest, um, my recommendation for any truck owner besides Cybertruck or not is to load from the back. The reason is when you're lifting, you you have to basically, when you're standing next to a regular truck, that's a, at about what, like four and a half feet or so. So whatever you're lifting, you have to go over that right um whereas if you load from the back of the truck you can lower the tailgate and now you're lifting about a foot and a half to two feet lower so it's less strain strain on your back and your body
2: yeah i just wonder like people like throw in like a small like throw something over the side right
1: and then they just want to grab it yeah yeah i've done that too when it's lighter and smaller but um yeah i mean sure you still throw your back doing that but that's what (laughs) the front is
0: for though right Right, what the frunk and that's an, before. I think that's
1: another thing. Is yeah. has anybody seen photos of the Frunk yet? Yeah. Oh, they're
0: out there. Cool. Uh, Cybertruck. Yeah, oh, no. yeah, yeah.
1: I don't think I've seen uh, them yet. So, check. if anybody has them, send them my way. <laughs> there's
0: I, a lot I'm of curious. questions
1: about it. Yeah, there's a lot mm-hmm. of questions about it.
0: That, Do you guys think Ray-va- it still gets released next year? Oh, about that?
1: I think the current timeline's uh summer next year, right? Yeah, and yeah. maybe AI Day. Probably not. AID would have some sort of update for that, but Elon's been saying for what six months now that there's a possibility of like he's going to update us at some point, but we haven't seen that yet. Okay, so there's there might be a couple. Those there. may
2: not be. Those may be renders. They may not oh, okay. be
1: actual yeah. pictures.
2: It's hard to tell.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's
2: like this a, one's definitely real. a real
1: Lego. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's on my shelf. No. <laughs> Did anybody order the uh Lego or not Lego? Uh, what is it? RC car, Cybertruck?
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have it? Yeah. Let me see this thing. This little guy here. Nice. Yeah.
1: I wanted to get the bigger one, which is four hundred bucks, instead of this twenty or twenty-five dollar one, but um, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. fun. It does work with the controller and stuff. I have this.
0: I have this cyber the Cyber Whistle. Cyber Whistle. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. You gotta have merch like, now. Freaking, so we we're can plug such it. nerds. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's see. Come on. Come on, buddy. And it's the lighting. It doesn't have enough light. this on camera it. sucks. Yeah. There, there we go. go. Oh, there we go. Oh, I think we cool. have a TV guy with us. <laughs> yeah, this I, yeah, you can only buy it with Dogecoin, I believe. Or you oh, can't yeah. you you can but maybe I don't know if it's only, but yeah. Um yeah, I I had somebody on my channel, uh CyberTruck truck guy uh, yeah. a while ago, mm-hmm. and um he was he really laid out why CyberTruck is going to be much, much uh, bigger than people think. And it really came down to just how many different um, market segments it fills and the fact that most pickup truck buyers are not as brand loyal as you think, because pickup trucks have become a replacement for SUVs for many families. And you still have a, you still have a sub segment of truck owners that are like diehard Ford and Chevy, but that's like 20%, 80% of the truck market is cost luxury, usability, convenience, and yeah, you know, like any other car buyer. So as soon as I, I heard that coming and it laid out very well, and I talked to other truck owners locally and I was like, did you see, did you hear about the Cybertruck? And I, they're like, nah, not really. I'm not really I just know Tesla's making, it. I show them a picture and I kind of talk, I'm like, holy fuck, like this looks really cool. And they kind of asked about the price and everything. So yeah, I think that in itself is going to be, it's going to be wild to watch. And especially in Austin here like once they start shipping this thing, like, <laughs> so So this area right now is getting overrun with Teslas. It's freaking overrun with Teslas. we I mean, were talking about this in one of our previous uh, um, community forums. Once that Cybertruck starts overrunning Austin, it's, I think it's just going, like when people land at the airport and they start driving around, it's going to look like, it's going to look like a city from the future. You have these triangles <laughs> on wheels driving around, yeah. you know, and they're all going to be like decaled out and they're going to look all crazy with like the Texas flag and, all kinds of obnoxious shit, it's going to look so crazy, you know? And I think that's going to create, uh, it's going to take Tesla's sort of, um, culture influence to the next level. And I think that's going to have a much bigger impact than a lot of people think, in my opinion, like, especially those that don't follow Tesla or they think, you know, it's Cybertruck, some sort of random thing. It's going to be huge. It's going to be gigantic.
1: I completely agree with that assessment. And, um, if you look at the top three truck makers, they all sell about a million trucks a year right so and yep. the truck segment at least in the us is the um, the biggest um individual you know segment of trucks itself right so um to farzad's point i think um i would not be surprised if the cybertruck becomes a competitor as far as um the total number of sales versus the model y maybe three or four years into the cyber production uh cyber truck production
2: oh absolutely like When you look at pre-order numbers, (laughs) like like you look at the F one hundred and fifty pre pre-orders, you look at Rivian pre-orders, like they were just nowhere even close to what Tesla done did or has. And like it it has to be repeated that you cannot get to volume without having battery supply. And the forty six eighty like that's why forty six eighty is so important. We've actually, we're starting to see, like, some of these, um, I, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to the the 4680 news, but there's, um, there's definitely some improvements coming down the line. And it's clear that Tesla is not only working to get uh, Cybertruck out by, you know, within a year, um, but that they're really working hard to get the battery supply up to support like the kind of ramp they want to get to and yeah like i would not i would not be surprised if tesla gets well over a million units out of out of <laughs> that's sad that's i love so that you're sorry hiding. i
0: had to do it yeah yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> mary mary lad, man come on we have to give her a, a chance here and that's yeah. my
2: big problem with rivian um like i i'm sorry to, i'm seeing rivians around here but like, me too i just can't get the volume right and
0: oh it's know, an I don't n- know it's a niche yeah. right yeah it's a niche i mean i think i think the one thing that's going to become very obvious for um i hope for people that follow the company and are trying to like create these bear arguments and competition arguments lucid rivian all these other newcoming um ev makers they can very much exist in their own bubble but they're not mass market vehicles like the Rivian I saw in person I'm seeing them in person more and more it's a cool freaking truck it is cool if 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 it was within my budget of what I want to spend my money on and I just was collecting cars I would totally buy a Rivian cuz it looks freaking cool and I and I saw it very up close and it's awesome it's just an awesome truck but it's not a mass market vehicle it's 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 very much um market it to a small sub-segment of the population. Adventurers that want to take on this really cool truck, And they want to sort of go out in the wild. And um, it has a lot of like cool little things about the car, but they're not going to sell half a million of these a year. They're going to sell at maximum, maybe, maybe a hundred thousand of these a year. And they're still going to be a profitable company, but they're going to be making hundreds of millions of dollars a year, not tens or hundreds of billions of dollars a year, right? So they can both coexist. Um, What's interesting about this chart. So this is for Q2 2022, where we're talking about uh, how much, how big of a market uh Tesla can can get into with the Cybertruck. What the fuck? Um, the Ford F-150 series, uh, sold about 160,000 in just the second quarter of 2022 in just the United States. He got the Silverado ramp pickup, so on and so forth. So the top three have sold roughly call it 400 and what, 20,000 units, uh, in just one quarter alone. Um, and then, so if you add up everybody else, so that's call it half, so 530. 600,000. So about 600,000 pickup trucks were sold in just the second quarter of 2022. Um, So the question becomes, what percentage market share can Tesla grab from 600,000 and just q two numbers? Remember, this is still a chip shortage, so on and so forth. They still have, you know, quote unquote, all these problems going on. So it's likely to be closer to a million in a regular year. So if we take the current trends of Tesla's market share in the existing segments right now, um, of versus everything else, why wouldn't that percentage apply to this market? And I'm, that's what I'm going to do right, right here. I'm curious to see what that number is. So, 600,000 trucks in Q2, what percentage can Tesla take with Cybertruck? And I, you guys can talk about whatever you want while I do that, but I just find this chart very interesting.
1: Sure. I think it's um kind of baffling back to the shortcut thinking kind of concept that, um, you know, in the media, whatever you want to call it, that there's so much talk about like, Tesla's market share, and they talk specifically more so about EVs than anything else. Like to me, EVs EV market share is almost irrelevant compared to the overall market share of cars. And so it's kind of like a, a smaller circle within a bigger circle, right? People are so concerned in that smaller circle, except that that's going to expand until it takes over, right? the The bigger circle, if the S curve of um, electric cars actually happens and comes through. So um, as far as like the segment of cars and and taking over of you know. Um, Teslas versus, you know, the rest of the the types of cars that are out there, I I definitely think that the same kind of pattern will happen as well.
2: I think, yeah, your point's really good. Uh, I would also just say that there's also a reasoning by analogy problem when people are talking about, like, like how much demand or how much production or how much deliveries of a car can an EV maker or a, a company that's making EVs, uh, sell and it's easy to say, okay, there's this company GM, they have all this capacity they've shown they can do it with ice for years and years and years. Um, so they can easily just do the same thing by just making a lot of vehicles available and they'll sell right but in, in the EV world it's it's completely there is a difference and you not just you don't just have to take care of making a car that's in demand, right? You have to provide the batteries, right? You have to have that supply of batteries, and people just—I don't understand why there's not enough uh, awareness around this, right? And it's—if <laughs> you don't have that supply of batteries, you—you you don't have a car, right? It, it's the critical piece of the supply chain, and you—you you, you talk about like selling Rivian and they don't have the supply chain to make it to the point where they want to get to right they, they also don't have the production but they do have the demand um but what tesla does have is they make a car that's obviously in demand and they have the the, the wherewithal to make that vehicle in mass right and that's truly the thing that no one else has you can talk about the f150 lightning right now and they're patting themselves on the back right but they don't have They don't have volume yet because they don't have batteries, right? So once Tesla hits this, once the 4680 is ready and it's like ramped up, man, it's, I'm excited. Like the next two years are going to be like, like Tesla could show like that it is super dominant and whatever it chooses to go into any, any market it chooses to go into.
0: Yeah. The, so if we extrapolate the math, we just went through. So we, we added up, uh, all these numbers here. So just rough math, this is about 600,000 call it 600,000 units yeah. in Q2 of just pickup, tr- just pickup trucks in the yeah. United States. So, and then if I go to this, uh, thing right here, um, and their respective segments, so luxury compact SUVs and near luxury cars, the Model Y, Model 3 crushed the competition. <laughs> achieving market share of 54 and 60% respectively. So if we assume, and this is Model 3 and Model Y have been happening for a while now. Model Y has been in the States for what, over two years? Model, and still ramping. Model 3 is probably, I mean, I'm just going to be, make a generalization, I'm going to say. Model 3 has reached market maturity, which it probably hasn't, but let's just say they're done. They still have, they still have, over 50% market share. If we extrapolate that sort of market share dominance to the pickup truck market, which again, based on the people that I've talked to say it's a lot less brand loyal than you'd think if you have 600,000 pickup trucks being sold in the US in Q2 2022 and they achieve 50% market share which is exactly what Tesla has been doing that's 300,000 cyber trucks in a quarter 1.2 million cyber trucks a year which is 4x above what uh, really closer to 5x above what Elon has conservatively stated in the past of about 250,000 cyber trucks a year i think he made made this mention a while ago so cyber trucks market just in the US they're likely to sell over a million cyber trucks per year. That's going to make a gigantic. <laughs> that's going to make a gigantic impact on what the roads look like, and how and and the to Rodman's point, the really Tesla's ability to dominate markets regardless of what they get themselves into, um, and I think we that, have data to back it up in some way. You know, we're extrapolating, but I don't see why it wouldn't apply.
2: And while we, to go back to the beginning of the stream, we were sad about the. Negative two percent, the negative two percent down day, but like, oh yeah. You think about the profitability profitability of this vehicle on top of the volume, it's going to be sick. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. not investment advice, but like, you have a car and that then doesn't have a. Pay. Podcast, yeah. Since we started
0: the podcast, since we started the podcast, we're up a lot, FYI. So the reason why we're up is because yeah. of our investment advice, obviously. Clearly, so, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Clearly
1: yeah No. for me I, i'm gonna make a bold statement and the thought of um i think almost all evs made in the next five years will sell no matter the price point or the crappy specs or whatever the demand for electric vehicles is now past the tipping point of you know the general public wants and needs um electric cars there's been kind of a whole hold out, right, post-COVID of uh, people not purchasing new cars and they're kind of waiting for the next thing. I I know there's at least three or four friends in my circle that are waiting for that moment. And for Zard, I I think a million cars is a great estimate. I guess it depends, too, on your time frame and your outlook. Um, I would not be surprised if it's actually, this is going to be crazy, like, just like Model Y will be crazy, but, like, three to five times the current um, bestseller, the Toyota Corolla, right, I can easily see three, five times the size because the transition um towards electric cars is gonna happen faster than anybody's expecting. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Three I can definitely see through to five X the new sale amount of the so like right now I think F one fifty sells about a million in a good in the complete years a million a year, F one fifties. But I think once Cybertruck comes in, then that F one fifty is going to come down dramatically. So theoretically it would have to come down between five to three hundred thousand for it to be, you know it's us 3 to 5X. But if they end up selling freaking 2 to 3 million Cybertrucks, holy shit. Like, holy oh, yeah. shit. And if, why if, wouldn't, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, and if they replace the current market, that's one thing. But I think the market is going to grow in the sense of more new cars are going to be sold because more people are going to replace their gas mm. cars, right? So the, the rate of uh, turnover, like for a gas car, um, I don't know the numbers. <laughs> um, but I, I know for when electric cars become popular and available the rate of turnover will be faster to electric cars so it's not only the current market but it's the projected new market that's gonna happen yeah
2: by the way all you guys in the comment section yeah we're gonna get gordon on yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> i i may not want to be available gordon that day cause I just pull my hair out <laughs> oh
0: man oh my god he uh I I was making a running joke for the longest time that I don't, I don't, I'm not ready to uh, have comedians on my channel yet. You know, I'm not ready for that, uh, for that sort of clout, but, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, like my, my whole thing is like, if I pull up this, like, like what, you know, how, how, like, how do you, I'm just so like from a bear standpoint and honestly, I would love to learn what is your counter argument to this from a growth perspective? Like, okay. So like, Look at this number and then extrapolate this out to all the new markets they're going to enter. Why wouldn't this apply everywhere else? That's my simple question. And so if if that's the thought process, then why would their growth slow if they've been able to achieve this? Like, What what has changed, right?
1: And if you do uh, have them on the show, I, I would encourage you to... Don't be afraid to repeat the question. Drink a lot before an I come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. <laughs> but to repeat the question, right? So when you say what's the response to this? And then you don't get that answer. Okay, so once again, what's the response? You know, like, come back to it. Yeah. Oh, oh,
0: Hans, you're muted. Hans, are you talking? We can't hear you. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah,
3: in Hungary, you know, their market share is just plummeting right now. So (laughs) (laughs) that's what we really need to be paying attention to.
2: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's make it happen. Everybody in the comments, let's get Jordan Johnson on. Gordon Johnson on Jordan Johnson. Like, I'm already misspelling his name. Jordan Yeah, I don't know if he's ever going to agree to it. And honestly, I would really want to, like, I don't, man, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's going to be like a fun debate. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't even know if it's going to be, like, it's not going to bring any value. You should have somebody,
1: a volunteer, basically write down the key points of both arguments as they're speaking. And then you can basically know what it is. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. We're in an hour thirty in. I think I think we had a pretty good discussion. I think I'm just uh we're gonna end it there. So thank you all very much for joining everybody in the comments. Um Rodman, Noah, Hans, thank you so much for uh joining the discussion. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, for those that are not aware, uh the reason why we have this community forum with these guests is uh, All three of these awesome, awesome gentlemen support the channel either through Patreon or on YouTube, and so we have a private Discord, and then uh, every week we take uh, conversations out on a forum-style discussion, so we can all sit down and try to figure out what the hell is going on, and just have a fun discussion about Gordon Johnson, you know, for a few minutes. Why not? Why? Why not? Right. So, um, any last words, Rodman, Noah, or Hans before we uh, jump out?
1: Have a great Labor Day, everyone, or everyone in the US you have the good work for zod it's always fun watching your channel and thanks for having me
3: yeah enjoyed having thank you thank on you. today noah
1: yeah great job
0: yeah you old. did really well you're, you're a natural on camera it's almost like you've been in the industry or something it's
1: odd <laughs> i try to hide behind the camera as much as possible but yeah no it's all good <laughs>
0: Uh, And then everyone in the comments, obviously, thank you all so much for uh, always supporting the channel and having great conversations, uh, either on the side or in supplement to our conversation. I I really value everyone's opinion, honestly. And uh, thank you all very much for being part of the family. So. With that said, if you're in the U.S., enjoy your Labor Day weekend. If you're not in the U.S., enjoy your weekend. <laughs> and uh, I, I might be back tomorrow. I, I, I'm not really quite sure. We have friends coming into town next uh, for the weekend, visiting us from New York. So my schedule might be a little crazy tomorrow, but I'll try to put something up. And if I can't, then I'll just see you soon after. And then next week, September 7th, I'm going to create a instance for it. Uh, Alexandra and Gary uh, Black will be back on the channel for part two. And we bought Gary, thanks to Kathy K. She donated a hundred bucks on the stream last time when Gary was on, because his microphone was just so good. Uh, we used that hundred bucks and we bought him a blue Yeti and he's going to have a brand new mic for that discussion. So I'm actually excited to hear what he has to say this time. Actually, I heard him perfectly. It's just, it was so crackly and that was partially, you know, I should have done a better job pre to try and fix that as much as possible, but it, it was uh, probably hopeless, but anyway, we, we got him a new mic and uh, now he's going to be back next week. So thank you all very much. Thank you gentlemen. Take it easy, everybody. Peace out.
2: Thank you, Chad. Bye.